Hello and welcome to the Leading in the Line podcast. Chris here. I hope you're staying well and keeping safe. And we are back once again with the first of two podcasts this week. That's right. We are treating you because it's International Week. And first up, we'll be looking at the SWPL. And of course, I'm not doing that alone. Why would they do it on my own when I've got the wonderful Campbell family with me? Campbell, how are you doing? <laughs> very well, Chris. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good, mate. Very good. Uh, yes, we're going to do two podcasts this week. So we're going to do one for the SWPL. And we're going to have one out a little bit later in the week, previewing the Scotland game against Hungary and the friendly against Sweden. But let's get started with the action on Sunday. And we are going to talk about the SWPL, SWPL1, SWPL2, and a little bit of championship too. But we're going to start off with SWPL1. And let's start at the top of the table, Campbell. I think it's the game that anybody who's a casual listener will be tuning in to listen to us jabber away about. And that was Glasgow City against Rangers, the live game on BBC Alba um, at the weekend. And I think going into the game, it was uh, very much built as could Rangers finally get past Glasgow City, obviously outlier of that 5-0 game at Christmas time last year, but would this be the time that Rangers over, overhauled Glasgow City? But it wouldn't be the case. And uh, yeah, I uh, I was up at Petersell Park and I saw a, a pretty pretty even game. Campbell, what were your thoughts going into it? Uh, first of all, and then we'll get into the game a little bit. Um, I think it was one that we all kind of we kind of struggle to really call. I mean, Rangers have been in great form uh, again, but others hadn't really faced any of the top two sides in the league, which is where they struggled last season, whereas Celtic and Glasgow City had already taken points off of each other. So, I mean, it was kind of a case of what can Rangers do different this season? Um, and I think it was, it was as tight as expected, but on the whole, I think Rangers were potentially even slightly edged the game. So, I mean, I think for their point of view, we're, we're obviously seeing we're seeing improvements. It might only have been a point, but besides the 5-0 game you've mentioned, um, I think Rangers were, were certainly a bit more in Gladio City's faces than, than they were last year, and certainly it was a, a tight game, as we expect, like I've said, but a point, I think, probably probably about fair. Maybe Rangers will feel they could have sneaked it, but overall it was kind of the sort of game you would have expected for, for two of the top teams in the country. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the one thing I would say about being at Petersell Park is it felt like two of the top teams in the country going at it. The the stand at Petersell Park was full. It's not always full when, when women's football's on, and it was definitely full. And you had, um, we were having a wee chat, as we always do before uh, recording a podcast, and uh, we were having a wee chat about noise at uh, women's football and how Perfect Thistle brought a little bit of noise this season. And the Rangers Supporters Club were there as well in Glasgow City. Always make a bit of noise after they scored the goal, um, uh, Carolyn Stewart-Cass who obviously was one of the, the founders of the club brought a big drum for somebody to just sit and batter and that kid battered it away for the rest of that game I'll tell you that much but um, yeah so it was good it had a big game atmosphere uh, Scotland national team boss Pedro martinez Lewis was there obviously the cameras were actually gravitated toward Alfredo Morelos being there as well um, with his with security guard I think um, but yeah so that was it was good it felt like a big game and I think starting off yeah I think Rangers probably started the better um, in the first half they they had First half was pretty scrappy, to be fair. Um, I don't think there was there wasn't much happened. The big the biggest kind of opportunity first half kind of came really early on, six minutes in. Um, Kirsten Riley, who I thought had a, a pretty good game for Rangers, she seemed to be bombing forward a lot more than than she has done in the past, and it, it was hard that got down the wing and put a ball across for Chelsea Cornet, but yeah, Alexander managed to get a foot on it and get it away. And I think the first half was I felt a bit of a classic big game cliche here. Feeling out processes were going on in terms of how how teams are going out. And then I think uh, the injury to Joe Love for the 15, 16 minutes gone, I think that maybe slightly altered things for City because there definitely seemed to be a bit more fluidity between some of them. And I think with Joe Love having to come off, Healy Lauder naturally sat back in the midfield a little bit more. We're in the early stages, Harden, Priscilla, Chinchia were really switching it around in that left-hand side. But yeah, I thought first half in general, there wasn't that much to talk about. It was a couple of kind of shots directed directed keepers other than that that opening chance. And it definitely felt like two sides that were trying to see the weaknesses in the other, I think, is is the way I kind of viewed that first half, Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the, the injury would have helped to Joe Love, as you've said. I mean, Haley Lord, you've picked out there's a player that when when she's on on her kind of on the ball going forward, that's when she's at her most dangerous. So the fact she's had to then kind of sit back like you touched on didn't help. I think with Maddie Fulton in there, she's a player that does again like to kind of move box to box so it was, it was helpful that in that way that when she came on she could kind of fill that role but it's not quite the same as having Hayley Lauder there and I think that impacted on City I mean Rangers were the team um, kind of with the chances and when you talk about Morelis if they'd had, had needed someone like him I think kind of to be finishing off some of the chances that Rangers would be disappointed with that they didn't put away I mean looking back on it they'll look at these chances and feel they really should have taken all three points but um, 
in City again they've, they've been the champions for a reason for all that time and against Celtic obviously they were the team pegged back but here they've had to fight back there and um, I think they'll be, they'll be fairly pleased with the point like you say injuries and things changing tactics during the game it doesn't help at any point um, and they go a goal down in the manner they did won't please them either but they fought back really quickly and, and in the end the point will be a result City I think will be pretty satisfied with yeah, let's move into the, the second half and a tale of two headers. Uh, and then I think the second half was much better. Seemed like the intensity picked up. Things calmed down a little bit. Uh, Tessa Middag in the centre for, for Rangers, I thought was very... You could tell that she's played at a very high level. Just when she takes the ball, there is that kind of matrix slowdown moment a little bit for her. Um, and I think that's something that Joel Love brings for Glasgow City that maybe was obviously missing when she kind of dropped off and Hayley happened to move to a bit of Joe Rowan. Um, but yeah... If, Rangers go 1-0 up, uh, a ball into the box. Chantal Swabi goes up with Jenna Clark. It's not really, I was going to, when I watched it back before we recorded it, it wasn't, it wasn't really an out jumping. Neither of them really jumped. It just that Chantal Swabi's head kind of got on it. And then, yeah, I mean, Lee Alexander would be disappointed. It slipped through her fingers and gone into the net. But it's given Rangers a 1-0 lead. And um, yeah, I think in an even game, they they maybe had the better of it at that point. And uh, it was a, it was, a, it was an indication to maybe see what would happen next with Glasgow City. But yeah, in terms of the goal, Santos probably got well, but City know they would have been able to do better with it. Yeah, I mean, Jenna Clark's obviously she's a, a tall player in that Glasgow City defence and she's, she's certainly a presence in the box that you'd be hoping she'd be the one to win it. Um, Santos obviously has got to the ball there and it's, it's not the greatest header. I mean, Lee Alexander should save it. She'll know that herself. I'm disappointed with it. Um, it's, it's kind of straight at her, obviously. And drops it into the net there. So it was one that it could it could knock City's confidence, to be honest, when especially in a game like that where where you know that it could be decided by the single goal. So to go one 0 down wouldn't have been great for them. But I mean, instantly they've then fought back themselves to get a goal. And that's one thing that will please Grant, certainly, that they showed that kind of that character there to make sure that Rangers didn't get a foothold in the game with the goal that with the goal lead. So it is a poor goal to give away, certainly from City, but the, the way they fought back was, was very good of them. Yeah, absolutely, because a few minutes later um, they've equalised uh, through Neil Fowlery. Um I think there's probably maybe a couple of defensive questions again at the other end of the, uh, the other end of the park. Megan Foley puts in a really good ball for Neil Farrelly, but I think when you watch the highlights back, there's a particular angle where they show like it's maybe three or four Rangers players round about Megan Foley, but none of them are actually that close to her, and it gives her the time to put the ball in. Great leap by Neil Farrelly. I think there's no ju- the judge, uh, judging about the leap in this one. It was a, it was a great leap to get over over the top of uh, Rich McLaughlin and uh, Kirsten Riley, I think it was at the back post and into the back corner. And yeah, I mean, that was a great header, but again, Rangers would be disappointed the cross wasn't stopped, but it meant it was game on. And Campbell, after, for me, after that, that goal went in, everything picked up a wee notch. I think it's just, I mean, how quick City played the ball. I mean, they kept Megan Foley, she's not taking any time to think about it. It's just put it in and the Rangers defensive Norland had time to kind of set themselves at the time, whereas Neve Farrelly had to her post-match interview where she's just she you know the ball's coming in she knows what quality Megan Foley's got on the right foot and the ball's come in like you say it's a great leap and a great header um, and a goal that I think like you say it did open the game up but it probably if those two goals had come in the first half I think you would have seen a totally different game um, I mean like you've touched on kind of feeling themselves out uh, the workshop, feeling each other out sorry to sort of to work out what was going to happen in the game but um, there were certainly chances there on after I mean Rangers had a great one in the first half so I can't mean to it wasn't out of the head but some of the chances that they were creating, they were disappointed not to take them. And I think City had a couple of themselves later on as well. But it was just one that I think you know, both sides were kind of happy for the point at that point. And as much as it opened up, you could see as it got towards the end that they were still by that point thinking, right, this is probably a point we're happy with. And we're not wanting to go and kind of chase the game as such. So it opened up for a bit as things do after goals. But I think in the end, the point was probably about fair. Yeah, I think it was Jane Ross that had that chance in the first half and it was kind of ended up kind of straight down Lee Alexander's throat. And then, as I said, the game opened up a little bit and after the, the two goals went in, Rangers had one ruled off for offside, Lizzie Arnott. Um, didn't seem to be too much um, much consternation about it and there wasn't hundreds of angles to, to pour over with it. Uh, but then, yeah, I think maybe the next big chance came uh, again. Jane Ross uh, got kind of into space in the, in the penalty box, a lovely ball to kind of put in that space. I think Julia Malin makes a fantastic tackle, but I think it's uh, the touch from Jane. You could see her reaction afterwards. She knew that that touch wasn't quite what she needed. But I mean, you've got to give full credit to Julia Malin, who's come in from the side and, and made a, a tackle, probably a goal-saving tackle in that, that instance, in particular with 15 minutes to go in the game. 
It looked like it, yeah. I mean, you see um, what Jane was mouthing after that chance is trouble words we don't want to repeat it in a minute. But um, she'll, like you say, she'll know herself that when she's it's a bad touch there that if she's got that ball under control, then chances are Rangers do go on to win the game. And it's just these wee things that I think they've certainly improved Rangers from from that show anyway on compared to their games last season against City and Celtic where there's more fight in them almost and they seem a bit a bit more mentally aware of what's needed against the top sides, but it was just this time that we kind of bit of quality and they're a better first touch, a better finish that could have certainly changed the game for them and they'll be happy enough to go to the champions and get a point. And they'll know it's they'll know it's a decent enough a decent enough result for them. But again it's just these wee things that it will annoy them, but I don't think it's something that will get on their head in their minds too much and we should see them putting the goals in again in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think uh, I think the fullbacks is a really interesting part of the park um, on on Sunday. Megan Foley obviously with the assist, but I thought Julian Malin had a, a really good game with Rachel McLaughlin. It felt like, to be fair, Rachel McLaughlin, I think she was doing more defending than she usually has to do, but she wasn't really able to get over it as much as well. So I think it was really interesting balance watching the two flanks kind of go at one another. But um, yeah, I, I, the kind of last couple of chances kind of came towards right at the end of the game. Maddie Fulton who. I'm also coming for Joe Love. We know, like Maddie loves a pop from range. She, it's not a game with Glasgow City where she's in the midfield. She had one, and she absolutely let one fly in from the stand. It looked like it was going in, just was past Jane Fife's post. Um, and then an injury time, there was a bit of a scramble in the edge of the city box, and it fell to Jane Ross and kind of Lee Alexander kind of double fisted it clear. Um, but I don't think there was anything like standout chance wise after that Jane Ross moment. I think, I think you can make an argument to say that maybe Rangers slightly edged it, but I think Matt Matthew and kind of being in the stand and as I was sitting in my car after the game I was thinking that I probably a draw was a fair result when you're looking reflection of the the chances the goals and kind of how the how the game kind of played out over the 90 minutes yeah I mean sometimes you get games like that and I think there's, there's been a few recently in SWPL where they're, they're that bit tighter where teams will think they could have won it but I think overall a draw is probably about fair and like we've said there it's a point they'll both be happy enough with I mean as long as you're not losing these big games you know kind of with how good the top three are, nine times out of ten, they're going to be beating the rest of the sides in the league, so it's going to come out the games against each other and they know that any any points there are going to be crucial come the end of the season. So a points one they'll both be relatively happy with and, and given how early it is in the campaign as well. But um, come the end of the season when they're facing each other again, the other sort of games are, are, going, to be, are going to be crucial and obviously, as we're saying there as well, um, if they can just kind of get that better first touch or the better finish, then at that stage in the season, they, they could prove to be the difference between winning the league and, and coming second or third. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think I think it was fair what you said earlier on about the intensity. I think I've said before, like the Glasgow City Celtic games seem to have that little bit of you know, there's a little bit to it. And I think that for the first time that Glasgow City Rangers game, it felt like there was a little bit to it. There felt like there was a bit of a oomph in atmosphere and oomph in the importance of the game as well. So yeah, I think it's a it's really interesting one. But let's move on from that game and let's talk about the third team in the in the the trident at the top. Um, because you've mentioned that most times, nine times out of ten, that the top three will beat the rest of the league. But on Sunday, that, that wasn't the case. Um, Celtic played Spartans in the early game. It was on BBC Sport uh, online. And, yeah, two each draw for Celtic. And it's it's probably a, it's a, it's probably a hard one for Fran Alonso to kind of digest because, on the one hand, he'll be bitterly disappointed that they didn't get a victory against a team that they'll be looking to do, uh, do well against in terms of getting three points. But on the other hand, they have pulled another point out of the bag. They nearly point, pulled two point, the full three points out of the bag in, in injury time. Um, but before we talk about Celtic, I think credit to Spartans. We've we've said that Spartans have maybe not really showed up that well in the recent weeks. They obviously got a point last week, but I think uh, full credit to go Spartans for going to going to Airdrie and getting that point. Definitely. I mean, last week for Spartans, a point on my mother was one where they looked at and thought it, it felt more like a defeat, whereas obviously Celtic's late goal kind of gives you that as well. But if you'd offered Celtic, Spartans a point, so are they going away to Airdrie first? They'd have, been, they'd have taken it. Um, and obviously having to come from behind themselves, but they've, they've done really well there, Spartans. And it's more like we're, what we're used to seeing from them. Um, they've worked their two goals pretty well as well. And it's they're a team that we've, we've touched on so many times before. We were kind of used to seeing them being kind of that team in the middle there. They're always going to be fairly solid in SWPA1. They haven't been so far this season, but we said that last week and clearly they've come out and they've changed that. And it's, it's an improvement from them. And it's more like, like I say, it's what we're expecting to see from Spartans. It's what you want to see from them because obviously as strong as the top three are, Spartans are still a side that are capable of taking points off them. They're up there with Hibs as well usually. So 
it's um, it's a good result for them. Like you say, they're disappointed to lose it late on. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you take a point there and they'll, they'll be very pleased with that. And it's something for them to build on, a performance for them to build on. And when it comes to the games against some of the sides around them in the table, we'll maybe get to see kind of Spartans like what they're used to, what we're used to seeing them uh, play football like. Yeah, I mean, as, as you mentioned, Celtic, <laughs> Celtic got uh, got ahead early doors. I thought Jacinta had a pretty lively start by looks of things. Um, had a shot well, say, by Rachel Harrison, who then denied her again, but Tegan Bowie um, was there to capitalise and kind of poke in the rebound to put Celtic win up. And you, you just kind of think that's it. But literally, it must have been less than 90 seconds later, Rosie McQuillan on the other end and, and equalises. And then, yeah, it, it looked like it was a pretty even game. And then just before half time, I... Uh, we, we we decided we were going to talk about this goal because I think this is a goal that would sometimes maybe get the wrong impression of it. But having watched it back a couple of times and watched Rosie's, especially where Rosie was looking, I think that's a for Rosie McCullum, that's a fantastic goal. She's kind of looked up, saw Chloe Logan as well off her line, maybe too far off her line, but um, and she's absolutely smashed it. It's not like a kind of you know how sometimes it's a bit floaty. She's she's hit it and it's gone in, and I think it's a. A brilliant goal to put Spartans still on up at half time. Yeah, it's a very good strike. Um, like you say, the, the way just that we look up she has and kind of knows, right? I'm gonna add this here and like you say it's, it's a powerful shot, it's not just kind of floated in, but I think um the keepers on the line, they save that kind of shot. We see it so many times. So it's gonna on that margin, like you'd say, but it's gonna it's a bit lucky, but it's a great goal at the same time. So you want to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I always feel that if a goalkeeper's position is better there, they do keep that one out. But can't take too much away for Rosie. Her first goal is a very good finish as well. So to have two for her um, and give Spartan something to work with going into the second half would have been something they'd have been really pleased with. And like we say, it was, it was very late on where Celtic managed to, to get the points back off them. But it's um, it's a goal that I'm sure we'll, we'll have debate for both ways to whether it was a good goal or a bit lucky or not. But it was certainly um, no taking away that it was a very powerful strike. And, and I'm sure it's a goal that Rosie would be delighted with. I think for me the thing that really sold it as a as a great goal was the fact that there was I know we had a we had we had a wee goal last week but the fact that there was BBC cameras there and they could zoom in and do the replay and show her look up and hit it I think that really sells it for me in terms of that but obviously it puts Spartans in two one up at half time I and Celtic huffed and puffed and puffed but as we've always said Celtic do have that ability to get a result just where it seems like all hope is lost and Charlie Welling's tenth goal of the season. Um, get an equaliser. Spartans will be will be disappointed about how it came around because it was it looked like it was a situation they had in the control. But got to credit Charlie Welling. She capitalises in these opportunities, and she did so again on on Sunday. She does. She's constantly scoring goals, and um, it's like you say, Spartans are disappointed with the kind of positioning of the players to to let her get that space and get through. I think Rachel Harrison's position is poor as well. I mean, the minute the ball went through in the highlights, just kind of think you know exactly where that ball's going. Um, it's a very good finish from her, but she's certainly got the space to do it. But um, don't be too harsh, mate, Joe Harrison, to be perfectly honest, because I mean, with the first goal, she can't see it. She's got two players in front of her, and by the time she knows where the ball is, it's through her legs. And then after, also that Celtic equaliser, they had a great chance late on. Um, I think it was Izzy Atkins, Izzy Atkinson that had it, and it's, it's a great save from Rachel Harrison there to preserve Spartan's point. And I think it's a point that they deserved on the basis kind of of, of the whole game. But um, they will be disappointed to lose it that late on. It's, it always does feel like a defeat when you, when you go and concede and stoppage time like that. But um, I think overall, Debbie will be, be fairly pleased to be getting a point away, a strong Celtic team. Yeah, I'll definitely have that feeling of, at the time, you'd see the players kind of drop to their knees, a few of them drop to their knees and stuff like that. But I think over a couple of days, maybe like now, they're, they're reflecting that as something to build on um, for, uh, for the rest of the season. For Celtic, be disappointing because that was a chance for them to really put the pressure, not necessarily put the pressure on, but that would have seen them go joint top uh, with Rangers, even if it had only been for a few um, a few hours. So for Celtic, it would have been lost all concept of time there. <laughs> for Celtic, it will be disappointing because, as you mentioned, out dropping points against teams out or outside of these three could become really important for Glasgow City, Celtic, and Rangers um, towards the end of this season. Yep, I mean, Fran Alonso said that himself. He could see he was disappointed as much as he says it's good that they've shown the character to come back and fight to get a point from a losing position. But again, Celtic will be into that. Seen what City have done to Spartans a couple of weeks ago. Um, seen the form Spartans have been on. They looked and went, this is a game that we are going to go and win and we can have to win to stay up. I mean, to be the top team um, or, or joint top team as it would have been. So they'll, they'll be disappointed with that. And it's 
the teams aren't going to drop too many points out with their games against each other, the top three that is. So, I mean, to Celtic get his points dropped, it's the sort of games that they have to win if you want to go on and win the title and not saying City and Rangers aren't going to drop points against Spartans or Hibs or Aberdeen or someone else later on in the season. But for now, Celtic will, will certainly feel that one was kind of tough to take and they'll be looking to bounce back after the international break. Yeah, and for the sake of competition, it's good to see that these teams a little bit further down. I think I had the conversation outside the Peters Hill Park prior to going in for the, the Glasgow City Rangers game about Spartans and how they will be a team that can get those results. I think we've said it before in the past, where they can get these results. Sometimes they'll get defeated heavily, but they can get that result every now and again, and I think that was shown on shown on Sunday. But let's let's move on from the top end of the table to, to the bottom end of the table. And Campbell, you were on a bit of a a bottom end of the table double or on Saturday, Saturday, on Sunday, uh, and you started off uh, at Peter's Hill Park. So we, we, weren't, we were in the same place on Sunday, but didn't actually see each other. But you started off at Peter's Hill Park on Sunday to see part of this against uh, Hamilton Ackies. And um, we mentioned, obviously, uh, Thistle fans make, make a good bit of noise. And yeah, do you want to talk us through the game? Yeah, I mean, as you were coming to Peter's Hill Park, I was leaving and that was not a coincidence. But the first game was a very good game of football to watch. I know Brian Graham said it wasn't, but I think that's more out of frustration at the fact that this did didn't win what was a pretty decent game. I mean, both of these sides were obviously at the top end of SWPL2 last season and had some entertaining clashes there as well. And kind of to start off, I mean, Hamilton were the better team. They had a couple of chances themselves. Well, I mean, George McTeers missed a great chance from a header where they probably should be ahead. Um, and then suddenly Thistle scored. Now, Thistle scored two very good goals on Sunday. Hamilton scored two very scrappy goals, but they all count. I think at the end of the day, it's a point that they, they deserved on the on the whole of the um, whole of the game. So I mean, Thistle kind of it's one where just after that, McTeer like, chance they've went straight for the goal kick out to Rosie Slater, who's played a ball forward to London Pollard. To her dad was beside me for most of the game, and he was constantly shouting things, some encouraging, some less so. But her first touch for that goal, and then the ball through Teagan McCann was just perfect. And obviously, Teagan's get a very good awareness to to look up and realise that Claire Dockery was there for a tap-in rather than just putting her foot, foot through the ball. And it's, it's a very good goal for, for um, Thistle to take the lead. And that was the first real chance they'd had. And I mean, at, at that point, you kind of thought, it's a bit harsh on Ackies to be behind. And also 10 minutes later, they're back in it. Um, bit of luck with Josie Giard's shot coming, the deflection off Rebecca McGowan. And then there was a shout from Danica DL um, to get the ball, but Sharon McCulloch either didn't hear it or chose to ignore it and instead deflect the ball into their own net. And, I think at half time at one each, it, it was fair. It's probably what you would what you'd say was right for the game. Um, and then again, Thistle scored another great goal. And again, London Pollard was involved. I mean, I've not seen too much of this since you moved to Thistle. I know you've you've picked it out as being a play you've been impressed by. Um, and your few visits there. And again, she might not have scored um, on Sunday, but she played her part in both goals. It was just a constant fun in the, in the side of that Aki's defence. I mean, you don't get too many quick players at that level, but her pace was something that was causing Hamilton like, problems all afternoon. And then, it's, um, it was her ball obviously through for, for um, Karim Brady, who's, who's thundering a great volley. I mean, when you're trying to be impartial at these games, you tend not to, to show any favouritism either way, but I had to applaud that. It was, it was a great goal, and I think the Patrick Thistle angle um, on their camera showed it a bit better than the BBC highlights, so go and check that if you've not, because it was a phenomenal strike. But again, Aki's straight away have shown tight players fight back here, and... I mean, it's, it's a scrappy goal. It's a good volley from Tara McGonagall, but she's been left unmarked. And then it's one that should be saved again by the illness. I, I don't know what it is with goalkeepers not wanting to catch a ball. It's straight at her, easy to grab, so under no pressure. Um, and instead tries to punch it, I think, and just kind of skews it into the net. And I think by that point, I mean, there wasn't too much going on afterwards. It was one where, again, both teams were kind of happy for the point. No one, no one chucked too many bodies forward and get caught out because I don't think either deserve to lose the game. Um, Aki's could have done. I mean, the penalty that we'll discuss in a minute was at the time, it's one of these ones where you think with the momentum it's going to be a foul, but it's clear Doherty goes down under the tackle. She get back up to play on. And then that's when, when Chris Gentles, no surprise there, um, has given has given a penalty that I don't think was a penalty. You see it back again from the thistle angle. It's better than the BBC one. It's it's not a penalty. And then it's a very good save from Jenny Curry, obviously, on her kind of debut before she was officially signed. Um, to keep out Amy Bullock and at the end of the day a draw was the right result but a very entertaining afternoon um, at Peter Sell in the warm-up for, for City Rangers Yeah I think uh, I think your point about the penalty is quite a good one because 
Uh, everybody knows that I'm a big fan of Claire Doherty. I think she brings a lot to, to part of this. Um, but I, I found it interesting that when she went down, she got straight back up again because I think if Claire Doherty thought it was a penalty, she would have let people know it would have been a, a penalty. So it, it was an interesting point you made just there as you were you were talking it through. But yeah, obviously I've uh, watched the, the highlights back. This will also get the extended highlights out as well and Aki's get highlights out which are pretty quick as well. But um, I thought that, uh, yeah, London Pollard, I uh, discovered by accident that I'd basically seen, I think, three of Patrick last four games the other weekend, just because of the way they were catching up with fixtures in the midweek and who they were playing. Uh, so I'd seen quite a bit of Thistle over the, the kind of last month or so. And uh, I think what the thing that's impressed me about London Pollard in particular, and I think there's other players you can pick out in that Thistle team. I think Karen McBearty has played really well. She's uh, the, the way that they have their two wingers were Karen McBearty, is a bit of a more of a dribbler. She'll try and go past folk, whereas Tegan McCann on the other side, maybe just like a bit more direct, as you mentioned, get the ball out to her and she'll kind of run and, and try and get in the end of the ball. But I think for me, it's the progress that London Pollard seems to be making at the moment. I think for, for Farmington, you could see towards the end, I'm not saying her heart wasn't in it, but you could see she was at a place where things weren't going well and I think it was maybe impacting a little bit. She got that move to Celtic, made a couple of sub-appearances, but maybe she wasn't going to get regular game time. So I think I moved to a club like Bart Thistle as I've said before, having somebody like Brian Graham, somebody who is of similar stature and how they move around the football pitch can only do benefit for it. But yeah, it like a pretty entertaining game. And for Aki's, it was a point that I think was important for them as well because they've also had that a tough, a tough few weeks and they've now got another keeper in and Jenny Curry, which obviously will help them out uh, in that respect too. Well, I mean, obviously it's been it's been tough for them in the last few weeks with some players out and I mean, especially in goals. Sorry, we, we touched on that at the the, the Lanarkshire Derby with Motherwell, where I mean, they have said Sarah Ryan didn't go that day, and she, she clearly wasn't fit. Um, and it, it you know, Motherwell with one or two of their goals that afternoon, so it's good now that they've got someone in there. I think this all were pretty hampered a wee bit in that Tegan McCann took a knock um, in the first half. It was a pretty strong tackle, she tried to play on, but had to come off, and she was replaced by Cheryl Rigdon, and it kind of gave this all one less dimension going forward where they kind of had to go everything down Karen McBrady's side and she'd done really well with the goal um, so it's a good finish but it did take away something they had in the first half where they only had kind of the one winger there that could go and run from there so um, that was challenging for them but I see London Pollard obviously both goals has played their part in it and you, I think touching on it like you say there Thistle was sort of the right way for it to be just now I think being that lone striker and a fourth team that was struggling it's a hard enough job for anyone but especially for a girl as young as she was our first real club at this, this kind of level as well, getting them to Celtic's great, but I think, like you say, Thistle's probably the right place for her to be just now, and she'll help Thistle, and Thistle will help her, and I think the time she gets back to Celtic, she'll certainly be a player that will be nearer to their first team, whether that's right now or in a couple of years, she's definitely someone that has the quality to be there, and, and playing at that level week in, week out for a Thistle side is certainly something that's, that's going to benefit her in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. So our loan at the moment is only until January um, and I'll be interested to see if it gets extended. I, I would like to think it would because I don't, especially when you think about Charlie Wellings as their, their point striker and who they've got as options kind of behind Charlie Wellings just that it feels like London maybe wouldn't get that game time. So I'll be interested to see what happens in January. But yeah, uh, back to kind of the, the long way around for that, which was uh, a point for Aki's, which took them off the bottom of the table, um, at least again for a few hours. But they stayed off the bottom of the table as you headed you scuttled away, away from Peter's Hill Park, over to Motherwell Hall for uh, Motherwell Gates Hearts. And Motherwell's good form continues, Campbell. It does. It was, I guess, I mean, 2 nothing. It kind of was one of these games where there weren't many chances, but it was, it was still a very watchable game. I mean, two sides, like we said, that struggled last season, um, were, kind of had that freedom of knowing they couldn't get relegated when they came up. So there was always something for them to... They can play for, but didn't have too much to, to worry about. Whereas now, every point is going to be crucial for them. And I mean, the first half, both sides kind of were feeling each other out. Hart started really well and had some chances. And um, Maria McInerney started really well. Um, I was impressed with Monica for sight as well, even though she was on the losing team. She was everywhere for Hearts and was a player that obviously got a couple of goals the other week um, as well. So she'll certainly be helpful for them. But um, I mean, Motherwell's first goals come from a penalty that. It's nearly decapitated Leanne Crichton I mean it's one of these ones where, where it takes a deflection and goes up but it's tough for the keeper to get there Charlotte Parker-Smith who's had a good game made some good saves again um, has done well to keep the ball out but it's then fell for Leanne Crichton obviously looks likely to put the ball in before Mario Kenny puts on the face and the referee's right beside it's a penalty and I mean it looked like Leanne Crichton might not continue she was down for a few minutes but 
she's obviously she's come up and just put the penalty away very well. It was a very good penalty to give them the lead. And from there, Motherwell were always in control. Um, Kayla McDonald and Gua came on and, and she made a big difference as well. She's got her goal um, after another Leanne Crichton shot that was put behind. And then obviously the corner, she's headed it in. She had another couple of chances herself late on. Um, I think she gave Motherwell a better dimension going forward, something different to, to Gemma Hughes, who I mean, she's, she'll have better games, certainly. But um, when Kayla came on, she was a real pain for that um, for the Hearts defence. Got the second goal and, and Motherwell were, were kind of comfortably sought out, speak to Paul Brownlee um, at the end of the game as well. He was happy enough with that. It's gonna, the points are going to be the main thing here, but there was definitely positives from that performance from Motherwell. Um, he was really pleased with the three clean sheets. He touched on that as well. So three clean sheets, seven points out of nine. It's it's a very good bit of form at the minute for Motherwell. Um, obviously the next game was against Rangers, which is one of these ones again where you're not going to judge them on it. But for now, it's it's a good win for them and they're slowly climbing that table. So they'll, they'll be delighted with that. Um, Hearts off down the bottom, but you saw enough from Hearts to, to think that they'll still take points off teams this season and it's going to be very, very tight in that bottom end of the table. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about Hearts because obviously they, they have slipped back down to the bottom, but they haven't they haven't been bodied by anybody yet this season. They haven't like fallen, fallen to the sword of any particular team as it stands. I saw that Charlotte Parker-Smith made a couple of good saves um, in the first half as well to kind of keep them in it. But um, yeah, I think Motherwell it feels I, I, I was I, we were talking about Leanne Crichton before beforehand as well. I, I don't know about you, but it feels like her influence is growing in that Motherwell midfield. Um, I don't know if at the start of the season she was just kind of coming up to fitness after obviously the, well, the summer and and whatnot. But um, it feels like her influence in midfield is having that effect and around about them. And they do have now have a couple of, of young players that are that are kind of coming into the fold and. I th- I think given some of the, the players that we know are, are maybe moving around about, they may boost their squad again in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I mean, we, we really touched on that quite a lot with the, in the Hamilton game where Motherwell's midfield three, um, obviously Leanne Crichton, Jill Ingles and, and Amy Anderson, they controlled that game and I think Hearts did cause them a lot more problems in the middle of the park than, um, than Hamilton had done. Because well, I mean, Hearts again kind of... They're a very young side, but the players run around around everyone's faces. Jenny Smith never giving me Anderson a second on Sunday. She was constantly in, in the back of her lead as well. And Motherwell you know, they needed the goal, I think, to settle themselves because Hearts at, um, at large parts of the game were on top and kind of they looked like they could do something. Like I've said, Monica for South, Maria McInerney were, were very impressive as well. I still feel Hearts missed something going forward. It's that real focal point that they're lacking there. Um, but in terms of Leanne Crichton, she certainly is having an impact there. Um, I know Amy Anderson's really enjoying playing alongside her, and you can see her and Jill Ingles were able to play with that bit more freedom. With obviously Leanne, then she got her experience, and then when she's come off again, she's been come off knackered, she's been booted in the head, she was caught very late by Maria McInerney in one tackle, where it could have been a red card as well. But she was on that bench shooting away at players again, and that's 2 0 up with a few minutes to go. And it's, it's certainly something that will make a big difference. Um, it'll help Paul Brownlee as well. I, I know he's been around the women's game himself for years, but Leanne's got that actual experience of playing in the league as well. So she's certainly going to be something that will help her mother. Well, it's, it's tough. We're not expecting them to go and, and turn the club herself, given who she's been playing with at City. But she's come in there at Motherwell and, and certainly made a difference. And there are side there that, that looked pretty settled. Um, and there's as much as they could still be doing with another body here or there, I think their midfield is, is certainly one of the stronger ones amongst the sides down the bottom end. And it's something that when these teams play each other, I think it's going to help Motherwell in the long run and, and it could be one that could just mean that they're one of the sides that will stay that bit clear of that um, relegation place and, and the playoff spot as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that's pretty fair. Uh, let's move to the last game of, of the weekend in SWPL1, which was Hibs against Aberdeen at the Tony Macaroni Arena. Uh, 1-0 for Hibs. I think the fact that we both feel like we don't have lots to say about this game is maybe an indication of where the seasons might go um, for a couple of seasons. I mean, first of all, Colette Kavanagh, it was a very Colette Kavanagh goal. From like, I feel like I've seen Colette score that goal a lot, um, which isn't a bad thing because it's a very good goal. Uh, and I think it's a, a win that Hibs obviously would have needed after the disappointment the other week against Partick Thistle. But when you look at the table, that that win, it, it obviously keeps them in fourth place, but they're a little bit far away from the top three and they're a little bit far ahead of the, the teams below them, Aberdeen being the one closest. It's um, it's a challenge for Hibs at this league season. It's like how, how they approach these next few weeks because they're in danger of the league season potentially lacking a little bit of purpose potentially. Yeah, I mean, 
Hibs and Aberdeen are, are both sides that started well enough, but are kind of they're in that wee spell where just get get three points on the board and go out. And it wasn't the greatest of games, clearly, but like you say, a very good goal from like Kavanaugh. She almost did it again in the second half and checked the bar. But um, it was just a case of get the points. Hibs have done that, but they're they're, I mean, they're adrift to third place. They're adrift to fifth place. They're the most fourth place team you're going to see. I think really when you look at them, they seem as if they're almost destined to finish there and. Yes, they'll be able to rotate the squad now and then. It didn't work for them against Partick Thistle, and it can be risky. Um, they're a side that usually have good records in the cup, so I mean, can't are they going to look at that and say that's the priority? Probably not, because obviously the league tends to be what you, what you're focusing on. But there is that danger of kind of what are the aims for this season? Like, where do you focus when? I mean, Celtic Rangers and City will drop points like we've seen, but not often enough for for Hibs to go and then challenge and, and try and get that third spot particularly if they're then not beating those sides themselves. So it's it's a conundrum that they'll need to try and work out. It's up to Dean Gibson and the players to kind of look at that and think, right, what are we wanting to do with the season? But there is that danger. I mean, they'll be looking below them at the likes of Spartans and Aberdeen. If they can pick up points, they'll try their best to get up towards third place. But, I mean, Celtic have only dropped points there with that draw on Sunday. The only other times against City, Rangers and City have only dropped points against each other as well. So it's... It's, it's going to confuse them a wee bit and you think where are Hibs going to go this season it's a question that I don't think we've got the answer to just now and it's certainly something that they'll, they'll need to kind of they'll need to focus on and, and just try and pinpoint what their aims are for this season I mean I think the, the one thing that Hibs will certainly point to is that against Celtic and against Rangers they ran them close I, I mean against Celtic they were within a whisper of getting a point against them there Rangers they, they only lost by a goal but there is that kind of, it's almost like, it almost feels like when you were speaking there, I almost got that kind of same notion about Rangers trying to go for the title and Hibs trying to break into the top three at the moment until they get a result that quantifies that. It feels like it's still going to be a little bit out of reach. But I mean, Hibs, Hibs focusing on the Cups maybe isn't a bad thing for, for them. They they have the ability to beat those sides above them, uh, I think, because Spartan showed that this weekend as well. Like you can get results against the top three. But I think for them, in terms of their their aims for getting into the 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 title race in the, in the Champions League place, I think they, they will need to get a couple of big scalps in the next run of fixtures. We're, we're nearly at the end. In fact, we are at, almost at the end of the first first set of fixtures. Um, so I think that'll be a, a big thing for them. I mean, for Aberdeen, it's four games out without a win, three losses on the bounce. I mean, they've had a they've had a again a middling one. They've obviously played Spartans, but they've also played. Um, played a couple of the side up top end of the table in, in Hibs and, and Rangers. But it'll, they'll be keen to try and get back on back and form soon. I saw that Bill Hutchinson was on the bench at the weekend. It'll probably be a, a big fill-up for them. And obviously Francesca Ogilvy started again after her her spell out. So looks like they're getting players back, but they'll be they'll be disappointed that after what was a, a pretty solid start to the season that's tailed off a little bit just now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think they're one team that the international break will suit and, and getting players back now that have been out injured, you don't want to use that as an excuse. I mean, it, it, will, have, it will have hampered them. They have played some tough games, but I mean, look at the heart from where they're 2-0 up at home and they've thrown that away with, with their own mistakes. Um, not much I could have done on Sunday. It's, it's a great strike from like Kavanagh, but watching the highlights, I mean, it looked like it was kind of always Hibs in control. Aberdeen didn't have really many clear-cut chances and it's something that will kind of worry Gavin Beef and Emma Hunter a wee bit. I mean, they scored so many goals last season it's something that's kind of dried up for them a wee bit um, at the minute yes it's a step up in the division it's going to be tougher but there's just something lacking that they didn't have at the start of the season so I mean I think the international break is sort of a, a good time for them to regroup um, and kind of look at where they're going from here for the rest of the season but I think they're kind of a similar boat to Spartans where I think they're better than some performances have shown and their aim is going to be chasing Hibs um, like we say Hibs are kind of look like they're going to be almost guaranteed fourth either at this early stage of the season so it's up to Aberdeen and Spartans to try their best to fight through that. But beating Hibs are going to be the, it's going to be the sort of result that they're going to need if they want to do that. And so far, neither side has done that. And, and that's maybe the difference between Hibs and those clubs just at that minute. Yeah, I mean, I think the inter- international break will be interesting because obviously we're, we're going to do the podcast about the women's national team. We might touch on the under-19s as well because I think Hearts and Aberdeen have got a number of players away with the under-19s. Uh, Spartans have got a couple as well. So it'll be interesting to see what that does for, for those squads. But yeah, I think... I think for Hibs, it will be a, they will be looking. I think the, the next kind of one of the big three they play is Glasgow City, um, who they took points off of a couple of times last season. So they'll they'll certainly be looking at that game as maybe must win if they, if they're really serious about being title contenders. Um, so it will certainly be one to keep your way out for that weekend. 
So I think it's the same weekend as Celtic against Rangers as well. So um, another big weekend of uh, women's football action to come. But yeah, let's move on from SWPL1 into the wonderful world of SWPL2. Um, and we only had two games this weekend. Dundee United against St Johnston um, postponed due to COVID uh, issues at St Johnston. Um, but two games of, well, certainly one game that looked very entertaining and one game was maybe a bit more one-sided than we expected. Why don't we start with uh, Sterling University against Glasgow Women? Because Glasgow Women, 5-0 victory against Sterling Uni, who had come into a bit of form in recent weeks. But that's that's a proper proper wee marker that Glasgow Women have set down and obviously losing back back level and points with Dundee United. It does, it's a very good win for them. And I think keeping the level United and clear of Kilmarnock after their result is, is certainly something that will please them, that will please Craig Joyce. They've got that game in hand as well. And it just keeps them kind of in touch there. They're a team that, I think towards the end of last season, dropped points in games that they probably shouldn't have. And <laughs> in the end, there was something that would disappoint them. But they seem to have rectified these mistakes at the start of this season and have made a really strong start to the campaign, obviously. And it's a very good win there against a Sterling Uni team that will be confident themselves, having, having won, obviously, at Queen's Park last week. So um, it would have made a big difference for them. But obviously, there's a bit of help with two own goals for this game. But their other three goals were very, very good finishes. Um, I mean, from Cara Henderson's first one, she's done well, we can clip it by the goalkeeper. And the next two are two very good lobs, obviously, from um, Siobhan Hanneman and, and Nyla Murphy. So it's good that they're sharing these goals kind of around the team. Um, and again, that's another good win away from home. And it's, it's just one that they're just going to have to keep winning these games. They're, they're not going in, there's no pressure for them here. They're going in, kind of, they're not expected to go in and win anything. But if they can go in there and keep up these performances, then there's no reason why they can't challenge the United and Comanic and teams that are up the end of the table. And they've obviously got points off of both of those sides so far. One again and obviously remaining unbeaten. It's it's a very strong start this season for them. And they're a team that I've not seen yet this season. Um, I'll get to them at some point soon enough. But um, with, with international break, they're one, I think the only team playing in SWPL2 next week, the only game, sorry. So they, they could end up going top. And, if they can do that next week, then it's, it's certainly something that will make United look at and kind of think, well, maybe we've got really got a challenge on our hands here, given just how good their form is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting as well to see. Obviously, I went to go see them against Queen's Park a couple of weeks ago, and it was a bit of a bit of a grind, but they they scored a again, they scored a really good goal and then kind of capitalized towards the end after Queen's Park had missed that penalty. But it's interesting to see them maybe like put a team get it to the sword a little bit uh, in, in this one uh, against Stirling University. And as I said, for Stirling University, they'd They'd obviously had their academic intake come in, um, and they started picking up a few results. So it'll be a, a disappointing wee bump for them, in, in that respect, in terms of kind of pushing up, pushing up the table. Um, but let's let's talk about the other game, which is Kamarak against Queens Park, and all kinds of things happened in <laughs> happened in this one. Um, we had late comebacks, we had penalties, we had some interesting goals, some not so interesting goals. And at the end of the day, it was three apiece and uh, it was a point shared uh, for both teams. I mean, Queen's Park get off the bottom, well, not necessarily off the bottom of the table, but they get the first point of the season. Um, but yeah, Campbell, it was a, a game of lots of things. Mm. Um, Queen's will be happy to get a point. They'll be disappointed in the way that they kind of threw away all three. It's just a bit of a shambles of a game, really, Chris, watching the highlights. I mean... Within the first kind of within the first few minutes, it's all kind of went it kind of went crazy. Obviously, it's a short back pass that leads to the penalty for for M Queens Park, which is then missed. But I mean, as the ball as the penalty has obviously been given for the foul from uh, Molly Reeve, the ball's then come across being put into the empty net. If the referee had just held off for a couple of seconds, you'll find that Queens have in fact scored, taken the lead, and said he gives my penalty that they then miss and. Queen's will maybe maybe look at that as being kind of as a turning point, and even that early on in the game where they could have went on to win the thing. Um, but again, having obviously got the lead through Mary Five from what was another terrible command back pass. I don't have a clue what they're doing in defence. Just get rid of the football. Stop. It does my head in when teams try to be smart at the back. Just clear it, and they go and give away what's a really stupid goal. And then obviously they're giving away another penalty. It's a clumsy tackle. They dive into it in the box, and at that point, at two 0 it wasn't a result people were expecting. Um, I know Comanic had players out, but I mean, their defence was was obviously the main part that was decimated. But you look you know, at that starting eleven against the Queen's side who themselves made a couple of good signings and they'll be picking up, but it's the sort of game Comanic should be winning and, and their title aspirations will come down to games like this as well. So they'll be disappointed. Um, they've got back into it with kind of a messy goal again. I mean, Shelley Campbell's probably the best in SWPL for realising sometimes that if you just shoot high enough, chances are you're going to score because a lot of goalkeepers are smaller than here. I mean, she's practically falling over as she shoots from about from God knows how far out she is. She's miles away 
for the goal. And Rachel Cadell just lost her bearings and dived into the post. And at, at that point at Kelly, to be 2-1 up, you kind of think 2-1 down, but they've got the goal at a good time. You're thinking, right, they're going to come right back into this. And then, I mean, the, the third goal is another one of these ones, just clear it. Eva Gray's trying to be smart and just kind of shepherding the ball out. Makes a total mess of it. And then Mary Fife's got a second goal um, of the game. And at 3-1, with the time left in the game, Queen's should really kind of be holding it out, sorry, um, and taking the three points there. So to then throw it away, again, it's a point for them. I mean, it's a good strike from Lisa Swanson for 3-2. But again, it's one of these ones. If you hit it high enough, you're going to score. And it's similar to kind of Rosie McQuillan's goal. I think here, if, if Rachel's on her goal line, she saves this rather than standing on the edge of a six-yard box. It's not as if, I mean, Lisa Swanson's too far out. She's on the edge of the area and, and a good shooting position. So the last thing you should be doing is standing that far off your line. It's a sloppy goal. And then, obviously, another penalty where, again, Queen's it looked, it was really amateur defending from them. I mean, when you're kind of, when you start playing football as a young kid, you're always just wanting to run towards the ball. And it's something that's coached out you that you kind of need to keep them in your position. And Queen's have just chased everyone towards the ball. They've left Castillo behind in tons of space. And then it's a stupid tackle again from Rachel Cadell. She's cleaned out Castillo, obviously. And then Kelly going to get a point that they'll be glad to get, given how late on it was. But to them, it'll feel like two points dropped. Um, and for Queens, I think for Queens it might well feel the same way because they'll have seen this as a great chance for them to, to get the three points with, with Kelly having obviously me Laura McLaughlin and um, Amy Burrows missing in defence. But a bit of a mess of a goal, I think a mess of a game, I think a mess of a result for both sides and one that I don't think either will really be that pleased with, um, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, I always enjoy it when you talk about things getting coached at the game because when I was youngster, the only thing I got coached was to put brown sauce in my pie and how to get the most sweets for a pound. So um, that's uh, it's always good when you give me your, your insight from back in the day. But um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think there was like lot, lots of things that, I think if uh, if they have a tactics, a tactics meeting this week or a coaching meeting this week, they'll probably have quite a lot to talk about. But the same thing, that makes for good drama. It makes for good, it makes for entertainment in its own, own in a special way. And as you mentioned, like the fact that Kamara can be able to come back and get that point, it's very, has echoes of how Celtic probably would have felt against Spartans and, and how Queen's Park will probably feel how Spartans are against Celtic in terms of for Queen's it would be good to get that point off the tape, off the mark. But for Kelly, they would have liked to have built on those three wins in the rounds, make it four events and really start to squeeze the pressure on with Dundee United uh, in particular for sitting out and obviously with Glasgow women winning winning that game that they have. Um but yeah, you you mentioned that actually. Let's just look ahead to next weekend in SWPL. There's no SWPL one because of international football. There's one game in SWPL two, the rearranged game between Birmingham Thistle and Glasgow women at Megaland. So if you're in and about the area and you want to get a game of football, that's where you need to go. Um, before we wrap up this podcast, though, we are going to have a quick touch on the championship. There's two kind of bits of news. One that's happened literally about an hour before this podcast uh, was recorded and one which was happened on Sunday because before I went to Petersell Park, so while Pete Campbell was in Petersell Park and I wasn't in Petersell Park, I was in Hunters Hill, uh, I was watching Rossville against Montrose in the Championship Cup quarterfinal, the one that had to be rearranged. Um, and it was a, a 4 one from Montrose and... I watched Montrose earlier on in the Championship Cup when they played against Glenifer Thistle and they won so comfortably they actually left at halftime because I didn't it didn't feel right to kind of watch it to be honest. But uh, Rossville gave them a bit more of a challenge. Obviously, Rossville doing fairly well in, in the Championship South at the moment. But yeah, Montrose look like a good team. They look like a team that are ready to kind of make a step up to SWPL to the they kind of got one up early and then they kind of went from there. Um, a couple of players that stood out for me, Anna Grant, I've seen her a couple of times now, kind of a wide, wide midfield, I think, played particularly on Amy Ridgeway up top. She's kind of got that little bit of nous about her that you don't really see, even in SWPL too, sometimes certainly not in the championship. Um, thought you were talking about kind of keepers hitting it from range when the keeper's a bit small. She definitely has that has that trick in her book for sure. Um, and then I think Megan Maver has, has a lot of experience in midfield. So I was... Very impressive Montrose. They did look like a team that are like a little bit level above. I think they're playing East Fife uh, this weekend at the top of uh, the Championship North, which will be a big a big game because both think both teams are on 18 points just now. But I think on the, the flip side of that, Campbell, was that earlier on tonight, Dunfermline have actually had to announce that they are withdrawn from the Championship North, um, which I had a little bit of a fear about because I saw that they were struggling to get fixtures fulfilled. I think their game at the weekend wasn't. And... Um, Again, it's it's easy to forget that fourth of Farmington was only a couple of months ago, and now here we are in October, where I'm in the middle of a season, and a team again is having to bail out. And hopefully, all the volunteers that put their work in will, will get an opportunity to do that, whether it's the youth pathways and the players that 
maybe need to find a, another way of playing, they get get picked up somewhere. But again, Campbell just shows that even even now that things are no, I'm going to say back to normal. We're not really back to normal. We're just carrying on as if everything's normal. As <laughs> uh, it shows, it still is very fragile in terms of what can happen to a club. Yeah, I mean, it can happen really quickly. I mean, when it was SWFL a few years ago, with them Fermlin were. Dundee United were actually starting out. They played them in a final at, uh, at Ainsley Park, and they were well beaten then. But again, it showed that they could get to that that, that kind of that level. And now that they've, you have seen the kind of drop down, like you've mentioned, when throws are really strengthened. But some of the teams are put kind of well, down at these levels. There's, there is still that gap, and you can see it in the league tables. And it's a shame for them, family. Of course, it is. It's a shame for some of the players that I mean, hopefully they'll get to move on uh, to other teams. But it's um, yeah, it's not great, is it? When when you've obviously when it's when things are having to go that way and it's, it's hopefully something we won't see too much of like you said before for the, they had a lot of you know, they've got a good youth system there as well that they can still continue to play all these age groups um, and hopefully the family can have something similar it's, it's, it's a shame that, that it's ended that way but sometimes that's what happens and especially the way the world has been in the last couple of years everyone's kind of had to had to struggle through um, and it's it's just kind of miraculous that every club has managed to do it Barring a couple also now, so not great for the feminine, and hopefully it's gonna the last we see of that anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, it's just uh it's just as I said, fragility of women's football. But there's lots of positives, so let's let's try and leave on a positive note. We've uh, got uh, another podcast to record, Campbell, which is exciting. But um, for now, thank you very much for listening to this one, Campbell. And um, I'll speak to you in about three minutes' time. Be a long three minutes of it. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening stay safe and we'll speak again soon